Turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hold thou thy word before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee in life in death. O Lord, abide with me. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch, was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the sea shore innumerable. And now the next four verses are text. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly, that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you bless not only the reading of thy word, but Father, please, I beg of thee, 
Help me, dear God, this morning as thy servant to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. Lord, may you inspire your children. Lord, may you create in them the same longing and desire our forefathers possessed as they were strangers and pilgrims in this world. Help us, dear God, to realize the joys of living a life by faith, and that being the faith of the Son of God. But let us also look forward to dying a death in faith. Lord God, I pray that you'd help us for there's many promises we have not received. The church has many open promises that are yet to be revealed. Lord, if they come not in our lifetime, help us still as thy children to embrace them, to confess them, and continue to fix our hearts and our minds upon thee. Lord, help us this morning that we might anew see that city of God. And may we be refreshed in our pilgrimage. May you strengthen us as we sojourn in this world of sin and wickedness. Help us, dear God, we pray, that we might glorify thee in all things, for we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amazing, amazing passage of Scripture. You know, over the years, especially in these latter days that I now live, I've learned that the Word of God is like an unsurmountable mountain. As a young believer, I stood at the very base of this great mountain and amazed and excited to scale its steep cliffs. I was looking forward to getting into the Word of God and discovering all its secrets. As a newborn babe in Christ, I desired the milk of the Word. Yet as I grew older as a Christian, I began to realize that I have barely scaled its heights. And the closer I thought, I neared its pinnacle. The greater and more unsurmountable the Word of God became. To this day, I have barely scraped the surface. When I look into the Word of God, I still see an unsurmountable mountain, which I shall never be able to scale in this lifetime. And yet I long and desire to scale it every day. To know of its truth in my heart every day. To pray that God would open up my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of His law. It was Moses who after years of witnessing God's great power in delivering Israel from the bondage of Egypt as our brother read in Psalm 78 who humbly confessed O oh Lord, Thou hast begun. Thou hast begun to show Thy servant Thy greatness and Thy mighty hand. That was in Deuteronomy as he stood on the borders of Canaan. After all those years, and Israel was fixing to go across the border, Moses confessed, after all those revelations and miracles of God, Moses said, I have only begun to understand the greatness of my God. He is infinitely great and infinitely wise. And so, dearly beloved, is the true in the life of every true believer. 
there comes a time that he humbly realizes just how little he has come to know the greatness and mighty works of God. And that in all his studies of Scripture, he shall never truly find out God, nor find out the Almighty unto perfection. That is the heart of every true believer as he grows in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray as your brother in Christ and as your pastor that you would always hunger for the Word of God with an insatiable hunger that never is satisfied, though filled. Blessed are those that hunger for righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's a feeling that's never satisfied. And that's Christ. He fills us and yet we long and desire more of Him. He fills us and we feel as though we've never even filled a glass halfway up. Open thou mine eyes. is a continual, not a one-time desire. Open thou mine eyes that I might behold. That word behold is amazing. That I might clearly see. He doesn't say Learn though that's an intent, that I might behold, that I might clearly, clearly see, understand, grasp wondrous things out of thy law, wondrous things out of thy law. And I hope and pray that you would ever long and hunger for the truth of God. And may you search Scripture continually, humbly, Faithfully, prayerfully, for they testify of Christ. And what greater subject, what greater object to study than Christ? And though this 11th chapter of Hebrews contains an amazing abundance of divine truths concerning the precious gift of faith, the substance, the substance of things hoped for, as though we've already received it. Substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. It's to these four verses, verses 13 to 16, that I wish to draw your attention this morning and next week. For they speak of the powerful and effectual working of faith, this gift of God. And, and I almost want to stop and just hang there for a minute. It's a, it's a marvelous gift. It's a gift of God. Marvelous. Do you know how marvelous faith is? Do you understand what faith has done for us? It's a precious gift of God. It enables us not only to believe in Christ, but it enables us as well to see things we hope for. It's an evidence of things not seen. It's a powerful and wonderful gift of God that enables us to reach beyond reason and logic and grasp the things of an eternal God, of His promises, and make them ours as though we already possess them. And I want us this morning, uh, with all my heart, to be able to embrace, embrace just some of the truths this morning that I believe God would have us to spend our moments 
considering this morning and hopefully the next coming days and weeks and months. Look at verses 13, or verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Listen to that. They died in faith, having not received the promises. I really want to get ahead of myself, but beloved, even when we die, there's going to be promises that we have not received, yet it does not make them void. Are you listening to me? The church has yet many promises to be received. Don't lose faith in God. Because if we don't see Him in our day, very well they could be fulfilled when we're gone. They died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. That's faith. They've seen them afar off. What did they do? And were persuaded of them. Embraced them. And confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You see the mighty effectual working of faith in the heart of the believer? Allows us to see things the world does not see. Allows us to believe in things that the world can't understand. And yet we see them in such a way that we can embrace them and confess, confess them and we're persuaded of them. This is faith. This is the preciousness of faith. Having declared in the first 12 verses how faith worked powerfully in the lives of our forefathers, the patriarchs, enabling them to do great and mighty things by faith, whether it's Enoch or Noah or Abraham, and therefore glorifying God by their faith. The apostle would now in verses 13 to 16 speak of the effectual working of faith and making them pilgrims and strangers on the earth. It's almost like he interrupts this eulogy, so to say, and says this is what these people were like because of faith. They not only did by faith great works, therefore glorifying God, but their lives, their faith, made them strangers and pilgrims on the earth. True faith makes the believer different from the world. Are you following me? It makes us different from the world. Our life consists of different things we desire. The things we desire and long for the world has no understanding of. It makes us different. We don't have to force ourselves to make people think we're different. It's simply the life we live by faith makes us different. Noah, preaching for 120 years, God's going to send water from heaven. Well, in those days, there was no such thing as water from heaven. A, a mist came up and watered the land. There was no such thing as rain. Noah was, was preaching the impossible. Yet because Noah seen that and it, it brought in him a fear of God, he built an ark the whole time preaching to the world. Abraham was called to go to a country and he went out not knowing whether he should go. The world was going, you're crazy, Abraham. Where are you going? He has, I have no idea. Which direction? I don't know. I'm just going to start moving my feet. Sarah, that marvelous woman, 
Lee, she'd had a baby when her body was unable physically to have a baby. Faith makes the believer different from the world. We believe things the world cannot believe. We embrace things. We confess things. We're persuaded of things the world has no understanding of. It's a completely different life. It sets our hearts and our affections on those things eternal that are hoped for, that are hoped for and not seen. They're hoped for and not seen. It makes us strangers and pilgrims on earth while creating in us a desire, listen to this, for a better country, that is, and heavenly. What a contrast. On earth, strangers and pilgrims, yet we're looking for a better country. That is the heavenly. A city, our text says, which God himself hath prepared for them. And the world goes, you're crazy. I don't see no city. No, I don't see no rain. Abraham, it makes no sense where you're going because you don't know where you're going. Abraham, uh, Sarah, it's impossible for you to have a child. It's virtually impossible, physically impossible. That's the life of faith. Are you listening? That's the life of faith. We live in a realm the world has no understanding of. Why do we then try to associate ourselves so much with the world? Why do we try so hard to make ourselves look like the world? We're not of the world. And you don't have to force yourself or make yourself do something in the flesh to persuade them. Simply live the life of faith. This morning I want to just concentrate. I want to look at these verses over the next week or two. But I want to concentrate this morning on the beginning words of verse 13. Because I find them to be most amazing. And I hope and pray that they would be most fitting for us today. Uh, maybe some of you that are yet still young, these words, this divine truth might not affect your hearts and minds, which I pray it would because we're all going to die eventually if the Lord does not return. But for those of us this morning who are ebbing closer to life's little day, I want to be an encouragement to you. I don't, I don't, I don't believe a lot of time and effort is given to those elderly saints of God who have pilgrimed through this world for so many years, seen so many things, and now they're on the verge, if it's by natural death, now they're on the verge of crossing that great divide. I want to encourage you this morning by these words, all these died in faith getting ahead of myself, but to live by faith is a glorious thing. To live by faith is a glory. To die, to die in faith is even a greater. That same faith, which is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not, things not seen, to die in that, to literally, spiritually, be persuaded, convinced, and embrace that there is a heavenly country, a heavenly city built by God, which God has prepared for us, who's not ashamed to be called our God, is the most amazing part of the life of faith. And so let me this morning for a few brief moments 
seek to encourage you with these few words found in Hebrews verse 13. These all died. They all died. We sang that hymn, Abide with me, swift to its close, ebbs. That word is an old English, means fades away. Swift to its close, close fades away, out life's little day. And oh, how our lives do fade away, do they not? Jesse was digging around in some boxes at home that were stowed away and found a few things that belonged to my son. And brought up and said, look, this is daddy's Timothy. Oh, life fades away so quickly. The young might grasp that to some extent, but the older know it by experience. Next month, I'll be 65. When I turned 50-something, I started getting emails and, and letters about nursing homes. I thought, boy, that's bold. Then I started getting them about funerals. And now it's about life insurance and death. And it's like the world trying to prepare you for it. But these all died. Whether you're old or young this morning, I want you I want these three words to sink into your heart and mind. These all died. Who's who are these? Noah, Abel, Moses. Enoch didn't he was transported by heaven, but Joseph, Jacob. All they all they, they all died. Faith can move mountains. Faith can move a man to prepare an ark when there's no rain. Faith can offer up an Isaac. It can divide a Red Sea. It can subdue kingdoms, stop the mouth of lions, obtain promises. The whole chapter is full of what faith can do. But faith cannot do one thing. He cannot spare you and I from death. We're going to die. You need to face that reality. And I want you to face it in the light of the patriarchs. Those who knew what faith was, they still died. But as we'll see in the end of the sermon, the difference is, and it's a mighty difference, it's an infinitely great difference, they died in faith not in their sins. Big difference. All men die. You need to embrace that thought. Like what an old Puritan preacher said one time, something to this effect, he said, we ought to make death our constant daily companion so that when he does show up, he's not a stranger, but a welcomed friend. This life would like us to believe that Death is so far away and out of reach and out of sight that there's nothing to fear, nothing to worry. Preacher, I'm young. I have many years before me. Death is no respecter of persons, young or old. 
death don't care. All these men and women of great faith did great thanks for God. Listen to me, child of God. Abraham, Sarah, Joseph, Jacob, Noah, Abel. All these died. David declared, and so, is, so did Joshua, both the same thing, basically. They both declared, I go the way of all the earth. On their deathbed, David and Joshua. Joshua 23, 1 Kings 2, David told Solomon, I go away on all the earth. Joshua said it too in Joshua 23, when he's fixing to close out his life, he told the children of Israel, I go the way of all the earth. All the earth, all the, all the earth is going this way. We're all going this way. All these died. Psalm 89:48 says, What man is he that liveth? And shall not see death. Everybody, everybody in the world acknowledges death. But few there be that embrace it. And those few are probably only those who be Christians because they know that death is not the end of it, but the beginning of it getting ahead of myself, but did not Ecclesiastes say the end of a thing is better than the beginning? <sighs> you think it was joyful the day you realized that Christ converted you and saved you and you walked around like a banana was stuck in your mouth and just praising God for what he's given you and all everything's so new and fresh and you're like a baby in a candy shop. <sighs> if you understood what it is to die in faith, you'd feel even more tremendous. Job even said, for I know that that will bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. I know you will. Look over in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 19. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them. As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath. So that a man hath no preeminence above a beast for all his vanity. All go into one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. Even Ecclesiastes. Death, according to Hebrews, is by divine appointment. You know that? It's by divine appointment. Job 14. There's a time and a date that man cannot pass. I've always looked at that over the years. I've always tried to explain that to people. There's a tombstone, spiritual tombstone in heaven with your name and my name on it, and it has our birth date and our death date. And nothing you can do, nothing I can do, can change that date. It's set not only in stone, but in the eternal foreknowledge of God. Your death day is already engraved on your spiritual tomb. You're going to die because it's divinely appointed. If the Lord comes not back, it's divinely appointed that all men die once. And then the judge, it's a divine appointment. You're going to die. Death is inevitable for all men. You say, we all know that. 
Yeah, but we don't recognize that. We don't acknowledge that. Faith does not spare us from this last enemy, dearly beloved. We're going to die. All these died. It's very important to understand and grasp. And I hope and pray that even now, I wish it would have... I wish this lesson would have been in, in, pounded upon my mind, engraved upon my mind years ago. You don't have to wait until you're old and death is looking you in the face for you to recognize and realize that. Or now. Faith don't spare us from all these have died. But though our text clearly declares that they all died, this is what I want us to see this morning most importantly. Okay? Our text said in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, these all died in faith. Hebrews 13, these all died in faith. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. We need to understand this is the same faith described in verse 1. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's vital that we understand that, especially as God's people. These all died, yes, but in faith. The same faith described in verse 1, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It was in this same faith they both lived and died. Why is that important? Many profess to be living by faith. Are we prepared to die in that same faith? When we look at death, and it's inevitable, do we look at it with the same eyes spiritualized as we do living by faith? Do we look at it as being a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen? We must see it the same way as verse 1 describes it. We must not only learn to live by faith, but also by that same faith be prepared to die. To embrace a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's the same faith. Paul spoke in Galatians 2 about the life he lived. He lived by the faith of the Son of God. He lived by the faith of the Son of God. Yet here he speaks of dying in that faith. Not much is said. I haven't heard much over the years about people talking about dying in that faith, living by that faith. But few have I heard speak on dying in that faith. I say that because I, I work a secular job, for some of you who don't know that, and it's maintenance supervisor in a nursing home. And I've been there for 12 years. I'm always seeing people die. And I'm always amazed how people respond to death when it's looking them squarely in the face. I've seen them come into the nursing home and read their Bible 
some of them even pray a little and talk about how they went to church all their life. And when we sing hymns, they know them mostly by heart. But when they get right up to that very doorstep, when they get right up to the very shores of that great divide and death is inevitably looking them square in the face, things change. And I'm not saying there's not a terror to death. Death is a, is a sting. It's frightening. I'm not saying that even Christians are not sometimes shooken by that. But the reason I'm giving or preaching this message this morning is because I don't want you to be shook up by that when it confronts you. I don't want you to be a stranger to it when it comes. I want you to be able to look at it and say that I have, I have known thee for a long time. I have made you my companion. I have prepared my heart by living by faith that I might die in that same faith. I want to be able to embrace you in the same faith by which I lived for Christ. What a glorious death that is. Don't you think? Instead of doubt and confusion and fear and terror and anxiety... An old man of God one time, I believe it was Martin Lloyd-Jones, when he was close or near to death. I hope I get the story right. If not, I think I'm close enough to it. But he was evidently gazing out his window, and his family members thought that he was being very sorrowful, sad. Tears were running down his eyes. One of them, I don't know which one, replied to him and said, we're praying that God would heal you, praying that God would allow you to recover. And he said something to this effect. When he turned around and he looked at them and he said, do not keep me from the glory that awaits me. He was weeping because he was ready to go. You see, when we die in faith, we embrace it. You follow me? We embrace it. We resign ourselves and submit ourselves to God. I'm ready. Paul was ready because he fought the good fight. He finished his course. I'm ready to be offered. My departure is at hand. He's ready. Oh, it's a wonderful thing to live by faith. But dearly beloved, it's even a greater, greater, most glorious thing, more glorifying to God that we die in faith. Many there be who profess to be living by faith. The question is, am I ready to die in faith? Oh, well, I'm not ready to cross that yet. I'm, I'm, I'm working on living by faith. Well, uh, we don't know how long we have to live. The Old Testament said, Death looketh into our palace window, in palace windows that's on every street corner. Death is never far from us. It's never far from each and every one of us. Job says we die. Some die in health. Some die in age. Some die young. Some die old. Some die sick. Some die...
what I like is in this verse as well as it says, these all died in faith. Many and diverse was the working of faith in them while they lived. Noah built an ark. Abraham left not knowing where he's going. Abel offered a sacrifice. Sarah believed she'd have a kid. The works were diverse. The works of faith, the effectual working faith was diverse, but they all had one thing in common. They all died in faith. In or according to faith. What a glorious death. Think about it for a minute. What a glorious death to die in faith. It's a glorious thing to live by faith to the honor and glory of God. But beloved, let me tell you something. It's even greater glory to God and more marvelous in the sight of God to die in faith, believing in those things that are not seen embracing and confessing them, being persuaded of them, and to cross that great divide with a trust and a confidence in God that glorifies God. Why do you think the psalmist said in 116 verse uh, verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It didn't say precious in the sight of the Lord. It's the life of the saints. He said precious, precious, not just good or one. Precious, precious. What precious is? Something that's invaluable. You can't put a price on it. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It's the last enemy. And to be able to face that last enemy in faith, confidence, a hope that has substance and evidence of things not seen. Beloved, I believe that gives God greater glory than living a whole life of faith for a hundred years. It gives him more glory than building an ark, moving mountains, leaving your country, sacrificing your son. I believe at that moment we give God the greatest glory as believers. When we can die in faith. Think about it. Imagine it. You walk through this life by faith all these years, 80, 90, 100 years, 60 years, whatever it might be, and you come up to that final enemy. You come up to that final day when you shall cross out of this world, which is not a friend of the sinner, a world that lieth in wickedness, a world wherein we were strangers and pilgrims. You come up to that great divide, and suddenly there's no faith. And again, I'm not saying it doesn't shake us or rattle us. Even John Bunyan in Pilgrim's Progress expresses that. When he's Christian is crossing that great divide, he began to sink. Who was it that helped him up? Who was it that that held his head above the water until he could see the celestial city? None other but hope. The substance of things hoped for. We might totter. Oh, we might totter at the brink on the shores of death. We might totter and shake a little bit. But if we live by faith, dearly beloved, I'm telling you, I can't help but believe God shall grant us much peace and grace. I've met people who knew they were facing death, Christians, 
who knew they were facing death, who faced it with great peace and contentment. Sister Vivian was one. The night, if I may, brother, the night before she passed, she was talking to her neighbor about Christ. She's witnessing to a neighbor about Christ, not consumed with her heart working, what, 15%? 15%. She's concerned about her neighbor and their need of Christ. Went home that night, told Greg, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. She slept her way into heaven. What a marvelous death. What a wonderful end to depart this world in that same faith that enabled us to live a life that was glorifying to God. Now enables us uh, to joyously, wonderfully cross that great divide. Nothing is more precious in the eyes of God than when His children, His saints, die. Death is the king of terrors to the lost. It's a tormenting reality which they constantly, yet in vain, seek to avoid. Yet listen to me in closing. For the believer, listen to me, this is what death is if we die in faith. It's a sweet resignation and surrender into the hands of God. A sweet resignation. Our Lord's our example. Father, into thy hands. I commend, I entrust, I hand over. Into thy hands, I commend my spirit. It's a sweet resignation. We don't fight it. We don't kick against the pricks. We don't struggle with it. We sweetly resign ourselves into the hands of God. In the midst of being stoned, which is not a delightful thing, Stephen looked up into heaven, seeing Christ stand on the right hand of the Father. What did he say? Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, a resignation. Receive my spirit. Again, Paul, I'm now ready to be offered. I'm ready. It's a resignation. This is what faith enables us to do. All these died in faith. The time of my departure uh, is at hand. The psalmist said in Psalm 49, For God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for He will receive me. Resignation. The unconverted dies in their sins, which is terrible. If you died in your sins this morning, there's no resignation to that. You'll be kicking against everything and anything. You'll be fighting to your greatest effort 
to stay away from death, and yet it will still grasp you and pull you down into the dark shadows where you'll pay for the wages of that which is eternal death and destruction. You will die in your sins. What a horrifying thought. Christian, we can understand that. We can grasp that. I pray that if you're lost, you would. What a horrible, terrible condition to die in your sins and not in faith. To realize that what Christ suffered on Calvary, you must now suffer for eternity. No mercy, no grace. Yet the true believer who dies in faith, we know it leads us to a better country. That is, in heavenly. You know, there's so many things now, I'll share with you a personal note, so many things now and as I grow older, saved now about 40 years, which is nothing. But there's so many answers to questions that I've had in my life for years. So many of those answers are now being, so many of those questions are now being answered when I look into the Word of God. And I look back over the, all the years and all the things that God's allowed me to see. And I've seen too many people who profess Christ not prepared to die in Christ. And I'm troubled by that. Not so much for them, for them, yes, but more so for me. I hold it like a mirror to myself. Am I, am I in the same condition? Am I, am I going to face, am I going to do the same thing? Am I, am I going to respond the same way? Now that I'm older and I know that, you know, when I was younger I thought, well, it's no problem. In 40 years I can deal with that. I can worry about retirement in 40 years. I'm getting so many Medicaid mails now, I can't count them all. There is a time to be born, Ecclesiastes says. Listen to me. There's a time to be born and a time to die. I've mentioned it often, but there's nothing in there about living. From birth to death, we're born with one foot in the grave. Both, listen to me, both these times are divinely appointed by God. You didn't choose when to be born or to whom you were to be born to. God did. Death's the same way. They're divinely appointed by God. You have a time to die. Well, I'm six. You have a time to die. As a matter of fact, each and every day you live, every breath you take, every second that you walk this earth, you're getting closer and closer to that time of death. When shall it be? Shall it be in old age? Shall it be in an accident? Shall it be because of health? Shall it be because of a disease? Shall it be who knows what it is? But every single one of us here this morning, regardless of your age, your position, regardless of your prestige, regardless of it, we're going to all die. Better to be thinking about it at a young age. You know why? So you can spend the rest of your years, if God allows you to be, to learn and uh, live and enjoy a life of faith. Do you know that? 
I don't question God's divine providence. And I know salvation is of the Lord. But you know, there are times I wish I wouldn't have lived in sin for 21 years before I come to know Christ. There are things, there are things this world and I put in my mind that cannot be erased. I wish I would have grew up in a Christian home. Christian parents who loved me and prayed over me and read the Bible to me and told me about God. I envy children that are raised in Christian homes. You know not the blessings that you have. Don't abuse those things. Embrace those things. There's nothing nothing greater for a child than to have loving Christian parents who love you and pray for you. It's an amazing thing. Better is the end of the thing than the beginning thereof. Beloved, in closing, to be assured that we die in faith, let us live by faith. You listen to me? Let us live by faith. You want to be assured that you can die in faith? Then live by faith. That's how you prepare yourself. It's not so much by saying, okay, I'm going to die. I'm going to start thinking about death. No, no, live by faith. Live by faith. Live each and every day by faith. The life that I now, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Live by faith. Every moment of the day, live by faith. Then when death comes, you're not looking at him as a stranger, but you embrace him as a companion. And say, you know what? I've been looking for you all my life because I've seen you afar off. And I embrace what you bring to me because you see it's by you and it's through you I get to that heavenly city. The bridegroom, the song we sang, shall not look upon uh, glory, but on his Savior's face. That's what we look forward to. That's what death ushers us into, into the presence of our Savior by whom we've loved uh, our entire life as Christians. I told a man in a nursing home who professed to be a Christian who's dying. In fact, we mentioned him before. I won't say his name now because we're on the Internet, but um, he's dying now. He's back in the hospital. He's dying. Better read him. He asked me one day, he says, how should I confront, how should I face death? I said, seek to die well. He said, what do you mean? I said, seek to die in faith. Seek to die well by dying in faith. It's amazing a man like Balaam, whom someone called to curse the children of God, Read the story in Numbers. After he failed to do so because God wouldn't let him, you know what he said? He was envious of how they lived. No. He was envious of how they died. Let me die the death of the righteous. What an amazing statement. He didn't, he didn't envy how they lived and how God blessed them and gave them riches. Back in them days, he blessed his people with riches and abundance and fruit and all that stuff and children. He didn't say, let me live the life of her. He said, let me die 
the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his? If you've never read the words of Napoleon in his last days, how he compared his life and his kingdom to that of Christ, you need to spend some time reading that. It's very amazing if you did. He was envious of Christ. He said something to this effect. He says, I rule over men by power and by dominion. I, I force men to bow down to me. And yet Christ has more soldiers, more people than I, and he gets them to commit and follow him by love. My kingdom will perish, but his is eternal. It's amazing what lost men can see. <clears throat> All these died in faith, not receiving the promises, but were convinced of them saw them afar off and were convinced of them and persuaded of them and embraced them. <clears throat> That's how we must look at death as Christians. Amen. May God give us grace to realize that it's a glory to live by faith. It's in a greater glory to die in faith. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, the subjects I admit for many are not very pleasant or comfortable. In fact, for many, it's a subject they seek to avoid all their life, ignoring it, pretending it's not there. And yet all their life, it's always there. That shadow of death is always hanging over them. And no matter how long or how often or how hard they try to ignore it, Lord, one day they'll meet it face to face. I pray that if there, and there are some this morning here, who know not Christ. I pray that, Lord, you'd help them to see and realize the reality of death without Christ. It's a terror. It's the king of terrors. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd not give them any rest, no peace, until they come to Christ in simple faith. Lord, I pray that you'd grant them salvation. And I pray for those Christians, especially those older Christians who are now ending their, their life. They're at the end of their life. They're approaching this final enemy, this last enemy. I pray that, Lord, you'd encourage and strengthen them to look forward to dying in faith. Lord, that you might help them to resign themselves, submit themselves into the hand of God. Lord, I pray that we would glorify you not only in life, but more so in death. We love you and we thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.